Daniel Matson once believed he was gay, raised in a Christian family, and aware of attractions to other boys at age six. Uh, his life was marked by constant turmoil between faith in God, his faith in God, and his sexual attractions. Finding the conflict between his sexual desires and the teachings of his church too great, he assumed he was gay and turned his back on God and began a relationship with another man. Yet freedom and happiness remained elusive until he discovered Christ and his true identity. In this frank memoir, Matson uh, chronicles his journey to and from a gay identity. Finding peace in his true identity as a man made in the image and likeness of God. Part autobiography, part philosophy of life, and part a practical guide in living chastely. There's the word. The book draws lessons from his search for inner freedom and integrity, sharing wisdom from his failures and successes. His life, I could write a whole book about failures. I think I am. Uh, His lifelong search for happiness and peace comes full circle in his realization that above all else, what is true about him is that he is a beloved son of God or some say beloved, uh, loved into, or should that be loved, uh, into peace. Wow, loved into existence by God, created for happiness in this life and the next. You wonder why I dropped out of school in grade nine. I'm going to stop reading his bio because I want to talk to uh, to the one and only Daniel Matson, author of Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaimed My Sexual Reality and Found Peace. What part of the world do you live in, uh, Dan? Well, I live in uh, Michigan, uh, and I've... Uh been to Toronto several times. Uh, love Canada, so uh, not too far. Just across the Great Lakes. Um, what do you like about Canadians? I, that's what I want to know. Let's go right there, because we're a pretty stinking awesome country, and we just celebrated 150 years. What do you like about us? Well, I am a big fan of Canadian bacon, <laughs> and I do like maple syrup, and I do love Canadian beer, I'll be honest. Yes. But Canadians are just so doggone nice. So dog, nice. doggone nice. Dad Gummit. Are you have you taken any heat for this book, Daniel? And by the way, Dan or Daniel? Yeah, Dan is my, my friends call me Dan. I think we're friends right okay, now. We're, we're just friends. talking about beer. So, yeah, so we're, we're friends. totally friends right now. Uh have you taken any heat for this book yet, Dan? Well, you know, if you look at uh, the Amazon review sites, you know, people will say, uh, if you hate yourself, read this book, that sort of thing. The, the usual trope I think what's happened most of the time is most people ha- are just ignoring it and saying that he's some crazy Christian. And uh, and I don't care what the, what the people say to me about that, but I'm trying to reach people who, who are tired of the world's message, especially about homosexuality. So haters are going to hate, right? <laughs> haters going to hate. Um, okay, so we were discussing your situation earlier in the show, of course, speaking out of ignorance prior to speaking to you. And... This is the impression I get. We live in a world where I would say finally, but that puts a little more weight than maybe should be on it, the church is starting to slowly uh, say to the gay community, it's okay. If you want to be a Christian, and then theologically we can look at it this way and that way. And we used to say, um, fine, you can be gay, but don't be gay. And then earlier than that, we used to say, no, if you're gay, you're going to hell. So what I hear from you, though, Dan, is that we've gone too far theologically, and if you're gay, fine, but don't have sex. Well, the the question really boils down to, do we as a church collectively believe that God's vision for human sexuality is good news for the world or not? That's the real question here. Wow. And and the question is, part part of sexuality is what our identity is, and our identity is also our calling and our vocation to love. 
So the question is, do we as a church really believe that the most important thing about human sexuality is Genesis and God's calling Adam and, and, and dividing Adam? It says it's not, good, it's not good for Adam to live alone. And there is Eve, and, and, he, and the two become one flesh, and they, they uh, will, will multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And in that vision of God's creative vision for human sexuality reflects the love of God for the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and, and this perpetual life-giving love for people. Don't we think that's good news for the world? We, we, become, we become so conditioned and, I think, distorted by the world's view of human sexuality that we just start, we've devolved into a sentimental version of love that says, look, if, if you're gay and you feel this way, well, we just want you to be happy, and if your sense of happiness is you being with another man, well, then I'm supporting it, and hashtag love is love hashtag free to be me, that sort of thing. And that's really an impoverished view of uh, the, the beauty and dignity of human sexuality. Okay, uh, the pushback that I've heard over the years, Dan, uh, to what you just said is, when it comes to someone's identity, sexuality, their, their, their sexuality, their relational attraction, their same-gender attraction is tantamount to their identity. It's not just vocation. It's not just, you know, the family they grew up in, familial stuff. It is also relationship. We were designed to be in relationship with each other. And so when, I, when we say to a certain group of people, you can, you can be attracted to those people, but you can't be in a relationship to those people, that seems unfair, right? That's the pushback that you would get. You would never say that to a straight person. Well, you know, if, if somehow somebody interpreted Scripture as to say, well, you know, you, you can't, it's, I don't know, that's a lousy argument. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, the, the, the question is, is, is what is true and beautiful and good based on our subjective determination of what is fair or not? You know, you don't read about, in Scripture, about, well, God is a fair God. You know, God is love. And the question is, what is true love? And for me, what I've discovered is that, yes, I'm attracted to a man. Uh, yes, I lived my life with a man for a while. Yes, I was happy living that life out. One of my good friends, who's also come back to Christianity, he said, yeah, I was happy living the gay life, but only as happy as I knew how to be. And, you know, this is, this is the question. You know, we look at, at, at people and say, you know, you're attracted to the same sex. I just want you to be happy. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want that man to be happy, truly happy, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to walk with you to journey through the pains and difficulties of life that you may have, Trusting that God says no to us because He loves. Now that's true love, not not meddling around with this, this sort of namby pamby version of Christianity, which is which which is it's just not fair or it's mean. You know, you think about the the story of the rich young ruler. What do we read in Mark? Jesus looked at that man, and it, and, and the Gospel of Mark says, and he loved him. And he knew he was going to say something that would cause that young man to go away sad. But he said it with love, because he knew truly what would lead to that man's happiness and fulfillment. And we read that the rich young ruler went away sad. Well, a lot of scholars believe that the reason that story is in the Gospel of Mark, and the reason that Mark said Jesus looked at him and loved him, was that the rich young ruler was Mark himself. There's a long tradition 
in, in Christianity that says it's a rich young ruler was Mark. So for me, I yeah, we could say, oh, it's not fair. But what is the calling of God? It's, it's to true joy and fulfillment. And I, I really get I get excited about talking about the goodness of, of God's vision. If you want someone to be happy, urge them to follow the commandments of God and walk with them as they do it. Okay. All right, uh, folks, we are on the line with Daniel Matson. Daniel, I, I guess you know that... Jeez, I'm going to get in... You're not going to like me after this. Well, yeah, we could be okay. We could still be friends, but we'll figure out how, uh, afterwards. Um, is the author of Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaimed My Sexual Reality and Found Peace... Daniel, um, you have to believe this, otherwise you have to give up your Catholicism. So I have to believe this, or else I have to give up my Catholicism. Yeah, that you, you would have to have you would ha- you have to take the take that you're taking, otherwise you would have to give up on your Catholicism. Well, here's the thing: is I became Catholic because of this teaching. Whoa! Explain that one. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, for you to say that I have to give up my Catholicism, uh, I chose Catholicism because of the wisdom and goodness of, of the Church's teaching. It's the thing that made the most sense to me. I turned my back on God. I, w- I was baptized Catholic, became an evangelical, uh, lived my life the way I want to be, and I became Catholic precisely because of the Church's teaching on homosexuality. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I mean, well, so hold on. Now, now it makes a little bit of sense because you because you were you were in the evangelical Jesus scene. That's I would assume. If I want to get the chronology right, you're in the evangelical Jesus scene at the time you decided you couldn't be gay and a Christian at the same time, and so you embraced your homosexual identity and you kind of stepped away from your faith stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I just. I just. I basically uh, two things. I basically. When I when I was confronted with with my attractions and uh, and 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 God's teaching, I couldn't deny that God existed. Um, nor could I really buy the belief that God somehow uh, blesses same sex relationships. The gay revisionist theology made no sense to me, so I just I just turned my back on God completely. Hold on, explain explain my... to our listeners gay revisionist theology. Okay, sure. So there's there's a lot of lot of movements in the church. Maybe people have heard of Matthew Vines. Um, in his book, God and the Gay Christian, where he writes that our understanding of the biblical prohibitions against um, uh, homosexuality are, are were just culturally based, and that God really blesses same-sex relationships. I, I looked into that, and it just looked—it just seems just intellectually impoverished to me. So I just turned my back on God. I, I, I lived my life the way I wanted to live it, um, and... Uh, and, and found that the promises of the gay rights movement were kind of really an empty mirage. And I was looking for answers, and I found the most cogent answer to human sexuality within the Catholic Church. And that's really why I joined Catholicism. So, um, yeah, that's probably kind of different than I think what you thought my story was. Probably. Well, no, but it still it does make sense, I guess, because you, you made the decision who you're going to lean into, not who, this is pathetic. Let me just try this again with my real words. In making the decision which way you're going to go, were you going to embrace your same gender attraction or were you going to embrace a God of a, of scriptures that you think says to you that, that homosexuality is a sin? you got to make a decision, right? You're, you're in that sort of catch-22 thing. You made the decision, this is what I really want to know, 
what was it about your world and your life and maybe the relationship you were in that helped you make the leap from, no, I'm going to stop stiff-arming God and I'm going to shut down my same-gender attraction and lean into God? I know I didn't say that right. No, that's fine. Yeah, because I would I would not say I don't want any of the listeners here to to say that I shut down or repress my my same sex attraction. I mean, I, that's you know I can't turn off the fact that I find a man attractive. That's like trying to turn off seeing the color red. You know, I'm not living in some sort of repressed, uh, uh, stifled human sexuality. I mean, what what I really came to realize is that well, what is human sexuality about? Uh, it, it, you know, we live in a day and age where we just think about our sexual identity primarily through the realm of what happens in the bedroom and uh, who we might walk hand in hand with uh, or go to dinner with. It's, it's a romantic, it's, it's a really sentimental view of human sexuality. And it, I really, I, well, I went that way. I, I tried, uh, you know, I had a relationship with a guy and I was happy with him, but it didn't, fulfilled the deepest longings of the hymn of my heart you know as saint augustine who lived this unchaste life for so long he said my heart is restless until it rests in me and he had this great line too he said lord give me chastity but not yet you know so it, it wasn't some sort of um like really big epiphany or some horrible reaction to to the relationships i had that turned me around it was just it was just the deepest desires of my heart were not being fulfilled through through the way that I was wanting to live my life. And I said, well, why why am I not as fulfilled as I'm supposed to be? And and uh, part of that journey was just saying, you know, human sexuality is very little about sexual intimacy. How often are people actually engaged in, in having sex, right? You know, it, we, we, we reduce it to the bedroom so much, and really, if we look at Christ, what is sexuality about? He never had sex with anyone. But he lived out his life as a man and lived out his sexuality more fully than any other man who's ever lived. So, you know, sex in the bedroom is a very small part of our human sexuality. And what is sexuality for? It's for fatherhood and motherhood, ultimately. And I can invest in people's lives through a spiritual way, and that's a far more fulfilling aspect of human sexuality than me ever having sex with a guy ever was. Okay, so are you married and are you going to have children? No, but, but fatherhood is not limited to to um, biological fatherhood. I, I, I'm i getting together with, with uh, someone tonight who's going through some rough uh, rough times um, and and I, I'm able to invest in people's lives and to really be a father to them. Um, and I'm living out my sexuality in a really profound, beautiful way, in the way that God the Father uh, had his son live out his sexuality. I, I you, think you, it, you, know, you know the people are listening to you and they're saying, he keeps saying living out his sexuality, but he's taking sex out of sexuality, so is it really sexuality? Well, well let's look at the example of Jesus. Was he, did he have a male sexuality? Uh, and did he live out his sexuality even though he never had sex? I don't know. I'm not allowed to talk about that. I tried one time and got in trouble by the station. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no. That's, 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 a, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Yep. And, and it, you know, so, so for us to look at Jesus, who's the fulfillment of all mankind, uh, he, he, is, he is a man. He lived out his sexuality 
without ever having sex. How, do, how did Jesus live out his sexuality without having sex? Well, the question is, what is sexuality for? What is it about? Well, the, I, what I heard you say was it's about uh, fatherhood kind of stuff, and then you went, and it's not it's not about fatherhood, it isn't just about having kids, it's about you being father-like person to someone younger. And, I, you know, can I just, this is where I'll go, Drew, shut your mouth. I have to admit something to you. When I hear that from you, combined with the Catholic stuff, combined with the, you know where I'm going with this, and I want to ask your forgiveness for the, the leap my brain made. The leap in my brain went, here's a guy who is, you're not going to like these words, but it's, you know, here's a guy who's sort of repressing his, his same gender attraction, who's then saying, okay, I can be a father figure to this boy or whatever. And then, you know where my brain went, Dan? I went, oh, this is not, this is a... Not a good recipe for the stuff we've heard about in the future. And so it, I just got judgmental, totally judgy on you. I'm a jerk, well, is what he, I'm saying. He, well, it's sad that your mind went to the assumption that it's a boy. It's actually a young woman. Yeah. Yep, I know. So, That's I what mean, I'm saying. That's what I'm, I, I even thought that. I thought, dude, it's probably, maybe it's a girl or whatever. But you know what I'm saying, right? My brain just went repressed sexuality and then we've heard about this with the priests and the and what in priests is, is celibacy an, an issue in our world i think it is celibacy is a beautiful thing but i think far too many latch onto it when they're not actually spiritually uh, equipped to deal with it well i i just had this uh, this discussion with someone i mean as saint augustine he said if, if if god calls us to something he always gives us the grace to do it uh do, do you do you believe that yeah, but I think many people walk around thinking they're called to things that they never were. Well, here's the question. Would you would, would you say to a single person in your church who's dating a very attractive woman, would you say, you know, I you're going to have to discern if you're called to celibacy right now with, with her. Um, you know, you probably, those, those urges are so great. You know, it, maybe if you don't have a call to celibacy right now, um, you know, maybe you should have sex with that person. I mean, that's a ridiculous view of, of God's grace, I think. You know, uh, single people are called to celibacy, right? That, that's their calling for today. And would not God give them the grace for that? I'm trying to process this, and I don't know how to answer that question. I don't. I, You know, look, I know that the Bible code and the evangelical scene and the translation, when you look at, at Scripture— says, don't be screwing around before marriage. That's the only time you're allowed to screw around. And then we put our own conditions on that. Well, what do you mean by screwing? You know, what can we do this? Can we, you know, use these parts without putting that part in this part? And how far can we go? And uh, I just, I, this is why I'm not in spiritual leadership. I suck. <laughs> well, it's just so funny that, that we, even the way we talk about this gift of human sexuality is don't screw around, right? Yeah. I mean, it's well, why do we even talk like that in the church? You know, God says, don't screw around unless you're married. That's the way I grew up. I, I grew up in the evangelical world where thinking, oh, man, when we get married, we can finally screw around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. You know, you know, well, that, that's a very impoverished view of human sexuality. I, I just think it's very, you know, I, I remember uh, uh, when I was growing up in the evangelical church, there was this book. Uh, it was sort of like the, the evangelical joy of sex, and it said intended for pleasure. I think by the Staffords, you know, and that, that's what that's what I think most of us since the sexual re revolution pick up human sexuality say. You know what? It's all about pleasure. Mm -hmm. 
And that, that really leads to a lot of problems, both with young people. If we limit sex to screwing around, then we have robbed our, ourselves of our human dignity and robbed human sexuality yeah. of human dignity. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You are, f- I'm, I'm really uh, perplexed, but I'm engaged in this conversation because, you know, I've been doing the show for 14 years, and at the beginning, uh, when I was doing the show uh, 13, 12, 14 years ago, this is all, you know, the only person I could interview on this subject was someone like you who said, yes, this is, these are, you know, I'm attracted to same, I have same gender attraction, but I'm not doing it, I'm not acting on it, and so, uh, and and now, the 10 years later, I can interview people that are the other way. And so let me t- oh, so many questions, but I've run out of time. Uh, this is why people got to get uh, the book. So this is, I think this is a great setup for, for people to go and get this book. It's called Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaimed My Sexual Reality and Found Peace. You've come at the wrong time, which means you've come at the right time. The way you've written this book and, and your approach to things is really, it's it's perplexing because it's it's the... It's a different view. It used to be the, the view that the only view I could talk about. But now, uh, what I'm trying to say is you have a lot of testicular fortitude for writing this right now. <laughs> well, I've never felt more like a man than when I go out and speak about the goodness of God's vision for human sexuality. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Very interesting. Daniel Matson, author of Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaimed My Sexual Reality and Found Peace. That was one of the most awkward uh, interviews I've ever stumbled through because I didn't know the right words to say. and my, I just got used to, to saying the right words to help the same gender Jesus crowd uh, attract Jesus I was just started learning that those words, and I could say them right, and now I got to reshape and. Oh, it's so confusing, Daniel. Well, the, the, there's there's two words that really matter: male and female. That's that's what matters. That's what's really true. That's one of the reasons I write this book. The, the, the words we're thinking about the words, especially in Canada now, you got all this business with pronouns. <laughs> we do. You might go into in, in, in person for that. But really, the words matter. In the beginning, he created us male and female. That's one of the messages of my book. So interesting. Daniel, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, man. I really, really do. Thank you. You bet. God bless. Bye-bye. Daniel Matson, author of Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaim My Sexual Reality. Actually, hold on. Just, just bring the music down. I want to bring the girls in on this one because they were listening so hard to that conversation. Um... So we'll put Leah on this mic here, and then Madeline will have... Let's just give her a different set of headphones, cause the, or, or Tim will fix those. You don't need them right now anyway, just to talk. So we're having so many technical issues. Leah, was your brain exploding in that one? I was confused by his definition of sexuality. I still am. Okay. I don't really know what he means by that. I think he means gender. You know, Jesus was male. <laughs> right. You know, I I didn't really ever get a, at a... Um, a definition. You asked the question, but I didn't get a definition that I felt really answered to me what he was saying. I found myself quite confused by that. Mm-hmm. Do you? And I, I'm glad you're here. Both of you being actresses, can I just make this hyperleap and use a broad brush stroke in my comments, which I'm, I never usually do. <laughs> <laughs> being actresses, you live in a world where there are a lot of gay guys or a lot of gay people in your world. I just said gay guys, but there's a lot of gay people in your world. More your world than um, the NHL. I do a lot of musical theater, so 
Um, there are. I, yeah. I, I meet a lot of gay men, and uh, I'm friends, really great friends with a lot of gay men. And uh, it's not to say that there are more of them, maybe, in musical theater, but they're certainly out in yeah. musical theater. That's a better way to say you know? it, probably. Yeah. And um, they're... 100% okay with you, who they are right. and what that means. But have you met any, any, any God people that are, that are also same gender attracted uh, yeah, in your world? I, yeah, I think so. You know, um, it depends, I guess, on how you explain that. And I think that that just gets to the bottom of what your spirituality means, you know, and that's not always the same as Christianity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, I don't even think that that's the right word. Um, I think evangelical or churchy mm-hmm. or, you know, those are all different. They're different definitions and everyone defines them in a different way. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I love that we're in a, in a time in our world where we're really battling through this because it's interesting how the 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 more we battle with the same gender attraction stuff and how it fits in with god stuff the more the good stuff floats to the surface preach bro yep do you know what i mean like what's really 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 important here mm-hmm. the, the fact that we are struggling with this and have been for so long well we hadn't been struggling with that's the problem it's been, well, pardon the pun, repressed. Right. We haven't been talking about it, but now we are. We are it doesn't yeah. mean individuals weren't struggling with oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. You know, the church uh, just has because been the church, with it. Yeah. yeah. The public communication has been. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Madeline, where was your brain in that conversation? Well, along with Leah, I was, I was really listening really hard, and I think I may have missed it somewhere. Because I, I was trying to talk to you? Sorry about uh, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Th- that was it, I think. <laughs> when. when <laughs> When he was trying to describe his sexuality without sex act, yes, yeah, I was listening really hard. I really, really wanted to get that, and I really, really wanted to get his um, Jesus sexuality without the sex act. I, I didn't quite get it either, but I, I was anxious to hear it because I think I, I think he's. I want to believe that he's right that there's a much broader, fuller spiritual God ordained. Um, bowl that sexuality sits in, but I'm a little finite too, so I needed to I needed to hear what that was, and I think I missed it. If yeah. he said it, I think I missed it. But I I, I give him total props. Oh, yeah. for writing this stuff yeah. now, yeah. because it's so not trendy yes. to write this now. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And and it, but it takes someone from now. This is I don't know how, how I can say this without sounding even more of a jerk. Now. It takes someone from the Catholic scene to write this now. Hmm. That's yep, why I said I to him, you, you know, in the Catholic scene, you know, it's one of the reasons uh, Michael Corrin left the Catholic Church was he couldn't reconcile the theology of the Catholic Church uh, and, and uh, the uh, the same gender attraction yeah. stuff. And yeah. What's the latest on that in Catholicism? Yeah. Gay is not cool. Yeah. It's still not. Yeah. No. And I mean, depending on the evangelical you know, flavor, the the spectrum. There are some that are very anti, like way out there, like, yeah. you know, yeah. so. All I know, I read this once and I, I haven't, I haven't gone through and done the check marks to verify it myself. But the thing that Jesus talks about most is love. And the second thing he talks about most is non-judgment. And I just think if you're going to call yourself a Jesus follower, those are the two things that are the most important. My official stance on the gay stuff, the gay stuff, as I like to call it, because I'm so, you know, smooth with my words, is when I get interviewed uh, by people on their stations, they always want to know, oh, you're a God guy. Tell us about the gay stuff. 
because they want me to say, well, I think gays are going to hell. That's that makes for good radio, you know. But, but I end up saying this: uh, number one, I'm not, and therefore I make no claim to understand what it's like to be gay. I don't get it at all. I just so I plead the fifth: ignorance. I'm chickening out. I don't know. Whatever you want to put on that. Number two, uh, Jesus didn't talk about it. Uh, it's talked about in the New Testament, in the Bible. It's talked about in the Old Testament. But Jesus oh, did Like how many times? So, Not so, that many. Right. But even if it's once, it's still in there, and i got to figure it out, right? Okay. So, but if you're playing and then number, number three, game. yes, we are playing the number game. And <laughs> no, I'm but talking. I'm saying there no, is I'm a number game. No, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking. And number three, um, I suck at so much stuff that Christians are supposed to be good at that I, I can't even go near this with any sense of, of, um, of righteousness. <laughs> yeah, but maybe we shouldn't but, be looking at anything with righteousness is my that's point. That's the exact right. approach. Yeah. 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 And so I think Tony Campolo was the one that spinned this one around quite nicely. Um, uh, love the sinner, hate your own sin. We your use, own sin. We yes. used to say, love the sinner, hate the sin. But <gasps> love the sin, hate your own sin. But I, even I, that word. Anyway. Like, yeah, I know. Much. I know. Even the word, the mm. S word. Okay, listen, we've gone over time on that one. And, and it's only because the uh, the big kahuna of the station is, he's around. Did you see Matt? Oh, he's in, he's in the green room. He's just waiting for us. Yeah. So you way can come to, in now. Way to put the boss on hold, Drew. Nice one. <laughs> A short break. And when we come back, oh, my goodness, changing gears uh, as we need to do. It's time to highlight uh, Face Strong today. Uh, which is a new digital platform, a digital broadcasting platform launched by Joy Radio, facestrongtoday.com. And today we're going to interview the president of Face Strong Today, Mr. Matt Cain. Stay with us. And this bird is 